What's up, friends? Welcome to Web3 Academy, a place for entrepreneurs, creators, and marketers to explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and create thriving communities. Enjoy this next episode. GM, GM, welcome Web3 Academy. It's the weekly spotlight uh, where we spotlight uh, some Web3 doers, people that are doing, taking action, and building this super exciting space of Web3. Uh, as always, I'm here with uh, my brother, my founder, Kyle Reedhead. What's up, Kai? What's up, friends? How are you? Uh, and today on the pod, we've got two awesome dudes that are really pushing uh, the research side of Web3 and the growth side of Web3. Uh, first up, we've got Matias. Matias is the director of growth at Tally. So he's currently on the Web2 side, uh, but he's researching and writing papers to figure out how Web2 growth tactics can be applied uh, to Web3. Uh, welcome to the pod, Matias. Uh, hey, guys. Um, hey, everyone. Uh, super excited to be here sharing some of the frameworks and conversations that we've been having around uh, growth for Web3. Uh, super interest, interesting stuff happening. Awesome. And also, uh, we have with us uh, Jay Key. Jay Key is the creator of Safari DAO, which is the number one destination for Web3 growth leaders to exchange tactical insights and learn about everything to do with growth in Web3. Jay Key, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Jay. I really appreciate it. And I'm like, really excited to be here. Web3 growth is uh, very, very much on the frontier, and I think will shape how we see the rest of Web3 to come. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I gave a brief intro to you guys, uh, but obviously you guys can tell your story much better than I can. Uh, so let's just let's just start by, uh, why don't you guys tell us a bit of your background and uh, uh, your story so far? Sure. Jakey, do you want to take it first? Sure. Happy to do so. Um, so my personal background is that I led growth in, in Web2 companies over the past few years, left my job late last year and soon found myself fully immersed in Web3. I started chatting with lots of Web2 growth leaders like Matthias who are exploring Web3 and also with Web3 growth leaders who are actively looking to connect and learn from the strategies being deployed by other fellow Web3 growth leaders. Um, and our community came about pretty organically from there. Lots of me connecting Web3 growth leaders together. And eventually, um, a group of us just posted on our LinkedIn saying that we were creating a, a Web3 growth community and got about 200 applications in the first week. Um, and then soon launched with an initial batch of 40 um, that have been defining Web3 growth since, since February. So really exciting stuff and excited to be on the frontier. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Matthias? Yeah, on, on my side, so um, moved to the U.S. about five years ago to do uh, uh, growth for Web2 companies. I've been most of that time uh, focused on fin on the fintech side. Uh, but since I moved, I uh, kind of like found Ethereum and Bitcoin. People were chatting about it on the Bay Area. And uh, yeah, I just fall in love with the concept of, of crypto overall. And for the last few years, I've been a passive investor. But... I would say the last six months, it's been where I started to push myself much more out there to try to figure out like what does growth actually means for Web3 companies and the crypto ecosystem. So uh, that's how I met J JK and how I basically ended up like uh, uh, joining Safari. 
and uh, it's been just like an incredible journey. I think uh, it's there's so many things that we can bring from the Web two into Web three, but there's so many new things that are happening and being built that it's just it resembles what happened early on on the in internet era. So I'm mm. just super super bullish to be now here, uh, like being able to to talk about this and discuss about these ideas and putting the frameworks in, in place for what's going to be uh, growth in the next few years in this space. Love it. And I'm excited to, to break down some of these frameworks and mental models is actually the reason we got you guys on the podcast is we came across your articles and they were, they were awesome. Uh, it was one of the first people I saw writing, I think about growth in web three. Uh, so super interesting, but I'm just curious. Um, I mean, most people get into this space because they invest in Bitcoin and Ethereum and number goes up. And they're like, sweet, I, I want to learn more about this. Uh, when you did that, what was the thing that like excited you the most specifically about like Web3 and, and even more specifically about growth or, or marketing or whatever you want to call it uh, in Web3? Because obviously you guys are doing your thing in Web2 side. What was that thing that just made it click or made you go, oh, I got to go deep into, into this side of it? Yeah, on, on my case, um, so coming from the fintech space um, and obviously being uh, someone that have spend a lot of time thinking about these growth frameworks and applying them into, into fintech, uh, which really sparked that uh, fire was uh, seeing first the speed at what things were being built and the thing at, uh, at the speed that uh, these teams were shipping, which was super, is super still like very, very exciting. Uh, I think the decentralization component was something that uh, brought a lot of questions that are still to be answered, but like spark that curiosity to understand like how this decentralization applies to these companies and how then that apply actually to your growth model. I think that's like really interesting stuff to, to discuss about. And then the third piece, which uh, is one of the things that gets me the most, ex most excited about in Web2, it's all about this idea of like product-led growth. So how does your product uh, is the first enable or, or the, the biggest driver of growth for your company, or that's what you, you should strive for. But looking at these Web3 companies, it was all about community. And in a way, like I think started to change this mindset of like, hey, you need to build an amazing product to, hey, you need to create and engage with these amazing communities. And that was something that it was like just a change on the model and like the order of the operations, uh, which still, I don't think that it's going to impact the outcome, but just changing the order of those operations uh, was something very, very interesting to see from the outside. And that led me to, hey, let's jump into these communities. Let's participate. Let's learn from them. And then how this is shaping the different growth models for the current, like very successful Web3 web companies. Interesting. JK, what about you? Yeah, on my front, I mean, I think that the first really big one, both on growth and Web3, is thinking about it as an open design space. Like, we're not just debating the color of CTA buttons, but we're really thinking deeply about what the future of products building and growth marketing will look like in the future. And I think that to, to Matthias's point as well, like, that notion of community and community-centric growth creates this much more collaborative ethos that's a lot more fun, too. This is something that we talk about a lot in Safari of, you know, Web3 as a space has yet to cross the chasm. And so we need to all be marketing Web3 as much as we're marketing our own companies. And so there's actually a lot of benefit that we can have as growth leaders by 
collaborating and talking about what we're doing, what strategies we're using, what we're experimenting with. And that just creates a lot more, more fun um, to be working in the space. Um, and it also, yeah, I think it's, we're, it's very much a positive sum environment. People can clearly see that um, the work that they do to further the ecosystem will also further their own individual projects themselves. So happy to hear you guys talk about collaboration, positive sum. I think that, you know, one thing that's quite unfortunate is the crypto space has a bad rap, you know, and there's a lot of negative image. So uh, it's so important that, as you mentioned, we all promote Web3 and all the good that we believe it can do. Uh, so yeah, kudos. Thanks. Thanks for being you guys. That's awesome. Um, so obviously we're here today to talk about growth and uh, break down some frameworks, Web2 versus Web3. But before we dive into those frameworks, just define for our listeners, what, what does growth mean? Do you want to take that one first, Jakey? Sure. Um, Web3 growth, in my mind, is some, basically centers around community-led growth strategies. So Web3 created lots of powerful new incentive mechanisms, but the underlying need for community-driven approaches is just as clear in Web2 today. Mm -hmm. um, and I can break down some of those reasons, but um, it's COVID escalating, feelings of loneliness and a search for purpose. It's acquisition costs driving up across every single channel in Web2. And it's Web3 presenting a new environment and one that has greater concern for privacy and where channels other than email are, are the most frequently used. So I think that Web2, um, Web3 growth is just community-led growth mm -hmm. and community-led growth is a reaction to the many challenges that we're having in our Web2 world today. Yeah, I, I cannot agree more with that. Um, a definition that I love about uh, Web2 growth comes from Andy Jones. Uh, he was the former uh, president at Wealthfront. He worked at Quora, Facebook, Twitter, so all the big names out there. And he defines growth as this like idea of like if finance owns the flow of cash in and out of a in and out of a company, growth uh, growth owns the flow of customers in and out of a product. Mm -hmm. And I think at the stage where we are in Web three, we can change that definition of product by community. So like, I think growth leaders in the space and what growth means is managing that in and out flow within the community uh, for these different projects. And just in this idea of like how the market has shaped um, the current environment of growth for Web3, where we have all of these limitations that JK was talking about, I think growth uh, is becoming uh, this perfect uh, alignment on incentives between companies and uh, its members and community. And I think uh, that's where magic is happening when we see these companies and these products building uh, and aligning perfectly their incentives so they can keep growing organically uh, with the community that has helped them from the start and then how they have expanded over time. So I think it's growth in my view is just this alignment on incentives in the right way uh, where you couldn't find those uh, in web two we are finding them in web three when when we think of growth in web two i think a lot about like mainly marketing right you're thinking like ads you're thinking email etc 
is there different tools now or different means other than, I guess, community, of course, but is there other, like when you think of growth in Web3, do you think of things outside of marketing or, or how do you think about that? Yeah, I think um, that's an interesting question because there's a lot of tools and ways that are still being developed in order to right. be like on how we like start acquiring these new members and community is becoming like the main driver today. What, what might happen in the next five, 10 years could be very different from what we're seeing today. Uh, but yeah, in, in, in my mind, I, I think there's still like a lot of things to bring from Web2 into what we're doing. So uh, I think email is not going to go anywhere in the next couple of years. So maybe the question is like, hey, how, how can we start incorporating like emails within our user journey, right? On our Web3 product. Um, we can start thinking about like, I think ads are going to become less and less important in this world. It's going to be much more about like, where some of the either token economics, like incentives that we can put out there. So our community keeps being engaged, like uh, back bounties. I think there's like multiple ways that we can start like defining what growth means. But at the end of the day, like I feel that there's still like frameworks that we can bring from Web2. And right now we are building the tools for what's going to be the future of growth for Web3. Uh, and I know that even at Safari, we're doing some like fun experiments with like, uh, notifications and uh, like how do we communicate with these like non-identifiable users uh, so, uh, so I think there's still like a lot to be done there uh, but it's just fun to see that we are moving that direction and that still we can bring some of those things from web 2 into how we operate on 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 growth for web 3. Okay you have anything to add to that? Yeah I think that I mean when I think about how the question was around how growth uh, is different from marketing in Web2. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot about, um, you know, in Web2, the funnel looks very different than in Web3. In Web2, you have all of these different channels, social media channels, ad channels, et cetera. And you're essentially trying to drive awareness to your first party application from those channels. So Web2 is very much about attention. Web3 is a bit different because the, the funnel ends up being cross-platform. So you have Twitter at the top of the funnel, Discord in the middle of the funnel, and on-chain apps at the end of the funnel. And this big difference causes that Web3 is very much about engagement. What are people doing? You're meeting them where they are and not on your first-party application and engaging them in those channels. And so I think that what we, what we see and what, what gets created from that is brands are now facilitating many-to-many -many format experiences beyond groups of people, between groups of people, versus before is more of an audience model in which you have a brand that's communicating one-to-many um, across lots of different channels with tons of different users. And I think that this will fundamentally shift how Web2 marketing is done as well in the future. Yeah, one thing that I really liked uh, from the first article that you guys put out on uh, on Web3 Growth Frameworks was this, uh, this table that broke down Web2 and Web3 uh, and how um, in Web2 it's business development, engagement and retention, and then growth hacking uh, and how that pushes down into Web3. Uh, I don't know if you guys had that framework up in front of you or if you can sort of dive into that a little bit for us. 
Yeah, so that's a framework done by Lattice Capital. And basically, um, obviously, I think they would be the best ones to like go in depth into, into whether they were trying to communicate in each of these categories. But where, where I see that, for example, the area of the growth loops between growth hacking and then liquidity mining and token economics, I think that's about like aligning inside, uh, incentives. So how do you build growth loops within your Web3, Web3 uh, product that aligns incentives between your ultimate goal as a company, uh, your growth model, and your actual uh, community and, and your actual like uh, user base, right? So I think one is about like alignment of incentives. The business side is more around uh, from what I've seen in the space is about like finding the right partners. I, th I think at the end of the day, like what we've been talking about, uh, it's all about like uh, collaboration and community on the space right now. So there's a lot of projects out there that are working together in order to lift all boats at the end. Like we all want this space to succeed. So there's a lot of collaboration happening. I think there's a lot of, for example, protocols working with uh, DeFi applications so they can like bring more users to, to, to use their, their, their tokens or to use their um, native apps. I think there's a lot of companies building right now the, uh, these omni-chain solutions that are going to help like expand the amount of the user base that can interact with all of these networks. And I think at the end of the day, the, the solution for this is just like operating in a world world where my company and your company have alignment incentives and that leaves all boats for the whole industry. So I think that touches two points on, on that graph. Uh, Jake, I don't know if you want to go a little bit more on these like community and loyalty. No, I think that you, you answered it well. I think, that, uh, I think Lattice Capital would appreciate your composability there. We're all here for in Web3. <laughs> so uh, anyone who's used Web3 understands that right now it's very clunky and quite difficult to use. And so when, as a growth marketer myself, when someone comes to me and goes, hey, I have this new you know, Web3 app or protocol, they're like, I want to grow it. I'm like, I have no idea how to do this for you right now. Like, how about we wait until the tech improves? Um, but I mean, obviously there are ways, but why don't, can you guys just break down? I think it was in the, um, the Safri Dow vision page that talked about like the, the four main uh, challenges that web three apps face right now. This was super interesting. Uh, can you guys just sort of talk about that? And then I want to dive into how we can solve some of these. Yeah. Happy to take that one. Um, so the four fundamental challenges that we see most web three growth leaders face are number one identity that the vast majority of on-chain activity is pseudonymous. Number two is fragmented UX. So what I described before is the funnel is cross-platform instead of on your first party application. The third is communication. So Web3 native communication channels like email, push notification, and SMS are, and ads are still either very nascent or don't really exist yet. Um, and then the fourth is platform limits. So most Web3 products are constrained to the, the 30 or 40 million crypto wallet holders. Um, and that's an interesting point. Most people compare uh, crypto in this way to mobile in that today we don't really think about mobile as being a constraint that app developers have to think about because most people on the planet have a smartphone today. But crypto wallets is kind of that analogous thing in that most people don't have crypto wallets today. So it is a very real, tangible constraint. Yeah, I kind of see that as the biggest challenge myself as well. It's actually what I wrote down was like, you know, you're trying to get 
to use your app, but before you do that, you actually have to teach them how to like use Web3. It's like, you got to get a yeah. MetaMask wallet and then you got to buy some, you know, sign up for Coinbase and, and get some ETH and then send it to your MetaMask wallet. <laughs> then you got to learn how to connect in. And like, uh, that to me is like one of the greatest challenges. But I think, as you guys said, it's something that once they use one protocol, they're now onboarded and they're like, they're in the ecosystem. So I feel like we have a lot, instead of just one person or one group, like just MetaMask bringing people into Web3, it's like everyone collectively is sort of doing that together. And once they're in, then it's super frictionless. Once you're in and you understand it and you can, and you can use it all. So I feel like actually in the end, Web3 gives so much more room for growth. Once they're actually in, there's just that, I guess, friction uh, to actually get into the system or into the ecosystem first. What are your guys' yeah. thoughts on that? No, and just to add a little bit into to the previous question, I think another big challenge that we're seeing in the space is because it's so limited to a certain amount of users uh, that we have right now using Web3 and, and crypto overall, that all of these protocols and all of these networks are, and all of these dApps are trying to acquire basically the same type of users. So at the end of the day, there's like this saturation of information and we're seeing this in Discord. We're seeing this with like all of the different like craziness in nfts and I, I think we are just in twitter like it's just like so much information for the limited set of users that we have that i think we're getting to these like point of like saturation where we are going to see diminishing diminishing returns on our investment to try to acquire these already crypto native users so i think is for the benefit of the whole industry that we like all of the projects that are working in Web3 today are supporting the idea of how do we onboard the next 1 billion users? Uh, mm. And we should all work towards that goal because that's gonna unlock the different like growth levers for like these, these uh, different projects, but it's not gonna happen if we keep it constrained to, I don't know, a hundred million users in the next two years. It's just gonna get again, like to this saturation point where it's just gonna be uh, unsustainable over time. So I think there's like going back to this idea of incentives, the whole community and the, the Web3 ecosystem should be thinking about how like each of the protocols and each of the dApps and each of the projects out there are putting something out there that is helping onboard the next 1 billion users. You guys have any thoughts on what you think is the thing that brings in the next billion users? Is there something specific? You don't need like to have to, the right answer here, by the way. I just, <laughs> just want to see what your guys' thoughts are. <laughs> yeah, I think that this is the, the really big question. Um, and I think that you know, there are an increasing number of apps, like Stepin is the, the new hottest one, the move mm -hmm. to earn, um, that a lot of people are talking about um, as being a great pathway for normal people to get involved. I think that most will fortunately or unfortunately, still have some sort of financial component to them. And this is something that we talk a lot about in Safari in terms of, you know, what are the non-financial based narratives that we can promote um, to really evangelize Web3? Because we see it every cycle is that with financial based narratives, um, they're great in terms of aligning incentives. But once the incentives run out, then uh, so do the attention and the engagement. Um, and so I think that the big question to bring the masses to Web3 is what is a non-financial narrative that's really, really compelling to people that gets them curious about Web3 beyond just money? Yeah. That's interesting. I, sorry, sorry, go ahead. 
<laughs> go for it, Matthias. Yeah. It. So, um, yeah, I, that's, that's a great point. And just to add to that, I think this, for me, the one of the big questions as well is how much do we need to rely on centralization to onboard these people into a decentralized world? And I think that's going to be like a very tough challenge for everyone in the space because the space was born out of this idea of decentralization, but we are seeing that uh, centralization is actually the best way to get people onboarded and then show them the power of decentralization. But then the, like what happens with the interests of decentralized companies, right? So I think there's, there's going to be like an interesting debate happening in the next few years. And probably like we're going to see a lot of these apps coming that are more centralized that are going to help onboard that next billion users. But then how do we move them into this decentralized world? I think it's going to be also like a, a tough question to answer. Right. Because if we're not moving into the decentralized world, then like, what are we really doing here? Right. It's, it's yeah. kind of off for nothing. Uh, this is actually is interesting. It's like the, the big ethos of um, of crypto and sort of Web3 is like owning your own stuff. Right. Without a custody and, and decentralization. And when I think about what are the things that are going to bring people on, like neither of those is what the mainstream cares about. Right. Like yeah. most people don't think in terms of owning stuff. So like DeFi is great and Bitcoin is great and whatever, but like most people don't really care to own things. It's not their mindset. Their mindset is earning things, right? So even NFTs with art and stuff, it's like it hit a subset community of people who like to own art, but that's very small. The rest of people are like, I don't really care. And so I think what you said about the step-in thing, this is earning. And we already saw this with Axie Infinity is like, I think once we nail the earning aspect where it's, it's easier or better to earn in a decentralized manner, than it is to do it in the web two world. That's when I think we onboard the billions of users where it's just like, oh yeah, I just need this wallet and I can earn this to browse the internet or to go for a walk or to play a game. I think it's the earning things that start to bring them in. And hopefully we can find ways to do that in a decentralized way and not centralized. Definitely. There's a, there's a couple of threads I want to pull on here. Uh, and uh, so first is this decentralized versus centralized. Um, the question that I find I keep having with uh, with Web three founders or people that are entering the Web three space is how do you st- how do you start? What's the mix? And I'm curious if you guys, from your experience with Safari DAO or from your experience talking to other founders, have an opinion on you know what is the best way in the beginning phases. You know, I know that not the end goal, but in the beginning, how do you see that? as the best steps to getting a startup going and building something. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about that um, from what I've seen at Safari even, uh, coming from an outsider to join what Jakey and the team were are building. And for me, it's about finding that initial um, pain point that a set of like a niche community is having and building on that into that community so uh, before even thinking about like hey what is the actual product that I want to build or what's the actual like audience that I want to nail down to build this product is I'm going to start building a community around this general idea that I have where I feel there might be a pain point Um, and in the case of Safari is about like hey, we have all these amazing growth leaders that are like starting to build a new frameworks on Web3. 
how like how do we get them all together to shape the future of what growth means for for crypto and web3 the ecosystem and i think what have happened organically which has been amazing to see is just that like the the engagement within the community i think and jk obviously like you can correct me if i'm wrong but i feel it's like just those conversations the the calls that we have like the 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 the, the information that we are passing uh, to each other is helping shape what is that potential market like how do we define the market that we want to go after it could be like do we want to go for executive leaders at these web3 companies like bigger like uh let's say like unicorn level or do we want to start like with a product that might serve for uh recent hires on growth roles for web3 like that could be a potential market and from there like once that we define that market we can start thinking about like what is the actual product that we need to build uh, and what are those characteristics so if i would start with um with an idea like a startup idea on web3 i would start that way obviously you haven't like you have a framework of like this is potentially what i want to build but then i would take it down to a net level where i can define like hey this is a community that might help me get there yeah, Matias, great thoughts there. I think that for me, um, and I really learned a lot from Matias's article on how how and why community needs to come before the market, um, and it really shaped a lot of my thinking. So, you know, one big piece is that in Web three, there are not really markets. Like it is very much a frontier field. They are 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 what people expect will become markets in terms of like this worked in web two and this will probably work in web three, this will be needed in web three, but you know, markets don't arise out of nowhere. And what we see is communities really build markets. Communities are groups of people starting to talk about different ideas, starting to identify pain points, um, starting to go and build companies in certain ways. Um, and this sort of naturally creates an ecosystem which becomes your market. It's increasingly larger groups of people. You know, Safari is the first Web3 growth community, but I very much expect that there will be many more Safari-like communities in the future. And you'll, you'll then say, you know, this is a market. This is a Web3 growth market. Mm. Um, and then people will start building products for that market, these groups of people that become larger and larger and larger. So I think that, you know, that's why I think community development is really at the heart of customer development for Web3 is that, you know, there are only theoretical markets today um, and communities are the ones that build those markets. And so if you can be the one that creates that community, um, you'll be the one to see some of the, the pain points before anybody else. Um, mm. And I think that that's exactly what we've we found within Safari um, is that we, we also thought about different segments, right? So our first batch, that 40, that group of 40 that I talked about initially, we let in four core segments. So one was uh, Web3 growth leaders, Web3 founders, Web2 growth leaders like Matthias, and then corporate innovators who are essentially like people leading uh, Web3 strategy at, web, at large Web2 companies, um, like head of, head of Web3 at DoorDash, for example. <laughs> um, and so what we found is that, you know, we really thought the Web3 the web native growth leaders and founders were going to be our target, like that they would feel the most compelled by what the value prop we were offering was. Um, but we, we found that like a lot of Web3 founders, um, they want to be part of Safari so that they're aware of these conversations that are going on and so that they 
uh, don't like miss anything that they don't know, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. they want to make sure that they're not like out of the loop um, for growing their own product, but they don't feel the same like jazz that web two and web three growth leaders feel of like talking about all the nuances of advanced growth all day long. Um, and so we really refocused when we did our second batch, um, which was about uh, 80 different growth leaders that we let in about four weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, to be very geared on web two growth leaders and web three growth leaders, because we kept seeing, and, and Matthias is, a, is probably the shining example of this for us, is there's so many amazing web two growth leaders who are at, um, who are currently still on their day job, probably will be soon, but are very, very involved in Web3 projects. Um, and it's only a matter of time before many of them move on to, to Web3 jobs. And I'm super, super bullish that we'll see a cascade of Web2 growth leaders joining Web3 in the next six months. Oh yeah. I think you've been seeing that in the news like crazy as people leaving the big, the big Web2 companies and moving, in, moving into Web3. What's interesting here is I like your approach of sort of phasing in allowing people into your community and i think i'm assuming that allows for a very quality sort of onboarding and quality like engagement and getting to know the community and, and then as you consistently bring new people in it just continues to be a, a flourishing um community can you sort of just talk about your thoughts around starting a community because i know this is what a lot of people are starting to do and i get a lot of questions of like does the token come first? Does the token come after? You have like the Board Ape Yacht Club story, which was the NFT was the thing that made the community. And now they can go and build, you know, they're the most funding that you can possibly get. And then there's the other way of like, you don't do a token or an NFT and you just build the community ground roots first. And then eventually maybe you build a token with the community. Do you guys have any sort of mental models or just thoughts around this or experience? Um, I have some thoughts. So you know, for us, I think that what a lot of Web3 builders missed is that they lean too heavily into incentive design without understanding community fundamentals. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we saw the same thing largely play out in the early Web2 days with like financial incentives of non-token kinds. Uh, people are like, you know, for all these Web2 web marketplaces, you know, financial incentives, referral programs, et cetera, are going to like solve all of our problems. Um, and we saw very clearly that that wasn't the case. Um, and there were ex intense like experimentation platforms that were built later. Um, but I think the same thing we see here is communities are super unique and super tricky. And they're all based off of, you know, the common elements that we talked about before. It's like, is there a sense of belonging in this community for me? Do I meet other people that I want to talk to? Do I feel like the conversations that I have or that I hear about in this community are really interesting to me? Um, and I think that those dynamics are extremely hard to produce. Um, but once you have them, it keeps growing from there. And I think that that's been a big part of Safari's success is that we have extremely high touch onboarding. We think about, you know, back to that audience model of, Web two versus the many to many model of Web three is we think very deeply about uh, as soon as somebody joins our community, how can we get them to be in touch with another person who's not a, not one of the founders of Safari, um, another random member? And so the way that we select people is that we look for people who would be a natural match with another member. Um, so if we can't find you who we'd imagine to be the, the perfect match for you amongst all the people who apply, then you're 
probably not going to feel the value prop as strongly as somebody we can find a natural match for. And so we do that very high quality, high touch matching in the beginning. We batch everyone. So everyone arrives at the same time. That's the first off. You know, everyone joins at the same time per batch with the same expectations, the same excitement. People all jump into the channel at one time. People were standing on by, standing by to welcome them into the channel, get them involved, make sure that they have a, a high touch experience at the beginning, match them with all with a fellow growth leader, and then begin. And I think that setting those sort of expectations and showing that like really strong value up front um, is what drives a lot of early community success and what kept us going even when we were a small community, right? We we were a group of 40 in Safari for the first like six weeks. Um, and now we're a group of 120, um, and we have been for another three weeks. Um, we'll open up our next batch another two weeks. And so we've been able to, I think that's the key of how we've been able to scale engagement, even as we've tripled our, our user base in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and what is super, in, sorry, what, what's super interesting about what JG was saying as well is like, you can even take a lot of like, very successful Web2 companies and their own like growth models into the onboarding experience at Safari and like some of the like actual growth levers for like how they have been growing so far organically. Like we can take the example of Robinhood, right? With their wait list. Uh, I think just creating that FOMO, at, like I cannot count how many messages I've received over LinkedIn. Like, hey, can you like get me into the Safari community? Like sounds like very interesting. So, so I think like, that facing approach and creating that FOMO is just like one lever in itself that can help like maximize that growth. Uh, the other one is just what Paul Graham says from Y Combinator, right? Like do things that don't scale at the beginning. So doing that really concerted approach of like doing the matching manually, making sure that that onboarding experience is as best as possible, that, that's going to have an impact in, in the long term of the engagement of everyone in the community because of, of that first initial impression and that first initial experience uh, through the onboarding process. So I think those are elements that have existed for the longest time in Web2 that we are bringing to the Web3 world, which I think is super, super exciting. And going back to maybe the, the board eight, um, kind of like, I think also that goes a little bit into this idea of like human behavior, like really like prim primitive human behavior of like social signaling, right? Like I want to belong to this group because everyone says that this group is really cool and all the cool people in the world are participating in this club, right? So I think there's a, a lot of that into the, NFT uh, world as well, uh, which is super interesting to see. So th those are like different levers that you can start pulling, which uh, at the end of the day goes a lot into these like psychology principles that a lot of like growth leaders in Web2 have been applying for the longest time. I think now we're seeing how they're being applied to Web3, which is very, very interesting. You know, my favorite takeaway of this is we bring on two guys that are all about growth. And you'd think when you first learn about Web3 and you learn about tokens, you're like, oh shit, token incentives. This is like the unlock of growth. And as we talk to you guys about one of the best things for growth, it has nothing to do with tokens. It's actually the old school stuff, right? It's the, the non-scalable things, the sustainable things first that set you up. And it's funny because it's like when you think about DeFi and in, in, let's say in the crypto world, it's like, you have like the avalanche and polygons that they went full on incentives to get growth with tokens and tokens. And we'll see if that works long-term, like who, who actually knows. 
Um, but I really just, it, it's great to see you guys keep going back to the community into the non-scalable things, um, because I think tokens are great and they can do a lot for growth with airdrops and, and you know, liquidity mining and all these things. But it's like, if you don't have that foundational stuff, that community, all of that ends up just kind of going to waste, right? It's not sustainable long-term. So it's like, that's the thing that's on top. It's like pouring the gasoline on the fire, but you need that fire already kind of started is the way that that's what I'm gathering from, from you guys anyway. Exactly. And I think at the end of the day, what you want to build is this sustainable uh, growth machine, which in the longer term, these token incentives, yeah, might be like a good way to ignite this, but that doesn't like say anything if like, hey, the, this new protocol then launches this other token, like people might move there if it is more economically, like it makes more sense to them, right? So you want to make sure that you're building in the mindset of like, this has to be a sustainable sustainable strategy over a long period of time. Otherwise it's, it doesn't worth the effort. I love, I love all the focus on community and um, also just, We'll get into later uh, a bit more about Safari DAO and the next batch and how people can apply because I'm sure some of our listeners are already salivating about this because it sounds so exciting. Uh, but before we get there, um, you mentioned uh, that there was a few growth levers for Web3 and community obviously is, I think, the big one and we're talking lots about it. Uh, but you also talked about airdrops and integrations as growth levers. Uh, would be curious to hear you guys talk about those two growth levers, how you see them being used uh, and the opportunities there. Yeah, I think that so airdrops for for your listeners are are the distribution of our project's own currency tokens to multiple crypto wallet addresses so their users um, and this primarily has been one of the fastest ways to rally people to projects in web3 it's been extremely extremely powerful and i think that a lot of web2 growth leaders were looking by saying oh my gosh how is all of this growth possible is it real um, what's happening. And I think that for me, um, one of the times that, that I really caught notice of this was in December when um, the SOS airdrop occurred, which was dropped to all the people who had purchased an NFT from OpenSea, uh, which is the largest NFT marketplace. And so this airdrop reached 340,000 wallet addresses, um, which you know are all public because all this information is public on the blockchain. So this is sort of unique. You can't really think about, you know, just like dropping a bunch of like anything to, you know, 300,000 Facebook or Instagram users and just like being able to access all of them. So that was like one thing that was pretty crazy. And two, like they went from zero to 150,000 on their Twitter in like days. And then also within days, they had 60,000 people on their discord and just this insane growth engine from airdrops, um, I think is what drew a lot of web two growth leaders to be like, what is going on Whoa. here? Whoa, <laughs> yeah. that is like of a crazy scale that exceeds most of what anyone has or ever will do. And we've seen lots of other crazy examples with looks rare driving like 15 billion in transactions in their first <laughs> month of inception um, and other things of that nature. I think that, you know, one of the things, um, which is why I think I, I and Matthias and others continuously go back to community and the fundamentals is because a lot of these levers 
work very well in the sense that they're the first of their kinds. So they're not saturated at all. They can tap an entire ecosystem all at once. And when there aren't that many of them, it works really well. And it's great for driving awareness at unprecedented scales. But as more people use them, these strategies will get saturated over time. And I think we go back to what we saw play out in Web2 as well, right? In Web2, there are very powerful acquisition strategies from new channels. As acquisition became more costly, people had to double down on engagement and retention. Um, and I think that that will, will quickly happen in, in Web3 as well with Web2 growth leaders coming in and saying, okay, this is unprecedented acquisition, but we know where how this will play out. We need to really, really focus on engagement and retention if we're trying to build a long-term project. Yeah, and I think what, what's interesting there is uh, for, for growth leaders in the space, uh, looking at these acquisition tactics, going a little bit back to what I was saying is to look, are, are these levers gonna enable these flywheel effects that over a long period of time is gonna bring incremental growth to the business and like sustainable growth again. So this idea of like, are these users retained? Are they engaging? Are, are they providing value to, to, to our project or, or our product back, right? So um, it's going to be interesting to see what is the ultimate outcome of all of these different initiatives. But I would always push even Web2 or, or Web3 growth leaders to think about sustainable growth and how the different tactics that you're putting in place are enabling you to activate these flywheels that are going to enable you to uh, sustain that growth over time. But that is healthy growth, not like one-off things that are, yeah, like these magic tricks or like things that gets everyone very, very excited, but then poof, like <laughs> there's nothing, nothing backing, backing actually the, what, what really happened. Right. Have you guys put any thought into, uh, and I actually think this is what Safari DAO is supposed to build is what I thought I saw on the site, but a playbook or, or like a strategy right now, do we have anything that you got? And I know everyone's experimenting and there's lots of different things, but like, have you guys narrowed it down into like, here's a way to create a growth strategy that is like long lasting and sustainable or, or what are your thoughts there? Yep. That's certainly things that we've talked about and uh, we we're actually just ch chatting about it more earlier today. Um, we have two groups in Safari. One is the, the Lions, which are our Web3 growth leaders of today. And the second group is our adventurers who are the Web3 growth leaders of tomorrow. So many of those people that we expect to convert to Web3 growth leaders in the coming months. Um, but yeah, this is a key topic for us. And we've been th thinking about what thought leadership we can put out there. Um, there are very, very clear strategies that are being used by lots of different projects across Web3 verticals on Twitter and on Discord. Um, and I think that it would benefit the space for us to share um, some of those tactics that are being used across verticals more publicly than, than we've done so far. Yeah, to, to that question, uh, we, we were discussing about uh, this uh, this morning, but for me, what is interesting is to we were talking about this idea, if we go back five, 10 years back in, in, in time to read the what, what, what people in marketing and growth were, were chatting about, it wasn't actually like about the models and the frameworks. It was much more about like the tactics, right? So when SEO was a, like, it's still a big thing, but 
when when it was this new thing, it was much more about like what tactically I can do to win over on SEO or email marketing or Facebook ads, right? And then once that basically all the all of these different channels started to get to this saturation point where everyone was doing the same tactics, we started to talk about like frameworks and models and actually how do we implement this at an infrastructure level within our companies. And I think one interesting thing that came up today was should we be talking about specific tactics that people can start implementing and testing with, or should we be talking about like more the frameworks and the models? Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how it's shaped because we were talking, this is like a very new frontier within Web3, everything related to like actually like growth. So as this becomes more of a mainstream thing within the ecosystem, we're going to start seeing more of these like sustainable like growth models over time. Right now we are seeing like what works and what doesn't. So does it make sense to talk about more about tactics or does it make sense more to talk about like overall like frameworks and models? So let's let's jump into a little bit about Safari DAO. Uh, and um, you mentioned, you know, that you're, you're, what you're talking about now, what does that look like? What does it mean to be part of, you talked about a few batches. What does it mean to be part of one of these batches? Uh, you mentioned weeks, like a couple of things you've thrown out throughout the podcast. Uh, can you put that all together for us and give us an idea of what that looks like? Definitely. So Safari in terms of who we are is a community of world-class class growth leaders and community builders exploring the Web3 ecosystem. Our members are from Uniswap, OpenSea, Ledger, Unstoppable Domains, CoinMarketCap, Zapper Labs, and many, many, many more. Um, and so our mission is to build this Web3 growth playbook together collectively with data. We have an internal platform that we use to be able to visualize certain um, on-chain and off-chain metrics. And growth leaders are currently um, commenting on what they see in the data and where they think that those projects, what tactics they were using to grow at different points in time. But our overall vision is to, to make growth collaborative. So something I've talked about before, Web3 growth is very much positive sum. We need to be working together and share what works to evangelize the Web3 ecosystem. So in terms of the community itself, there are a couple core activities. One is this matching that I discussed before. Whenever anyone joins, they're matched immediately with another Web3 growth leader. The second is that we have weekly calls. So um, for, the, for those that are in the adventures, our growth layers of tomorrow, uh, we do break down some various topics with case studies. So uh, today we talked about Web3 growth loops. Last week we chatted about Web3 funnels. And the week before we chatted about, you know, what is Web3 growth? Um, so we take people through these different batches of trying to educate them and getting them ramped up on the collective knowledge that us clients had been uh, chatting about over the, the, the four to the, sorry, the six weeks beforehand. Um, so yeah, and now it's going to be about producing more thought leadership together and making sure that uh, more and more people are thinking about Web3 growth and in, in the types of ways that, that we feel really strongly about in terms of making a positive sum, making it collaborative. Um, and yeah, really just a, a, an open and free exchange of ideas. And where do you, where do you see this going? Like, it sounds like it's like almost like a mastermind right now, um, which is awesome uh, for Web3 growth. So I love that. Where does it go? Does it turn into a bigger community that creates a, a product of some sorts? Does it turn into a, like a, a tokenized DAO? Um, do you build courses? Like what, what, any ideas on what you're going to do with it? 
Yeah, so you know, right now we're experimenting with uh, analytics. So thinking about what these growth leaders will need in the future. And I think nice. that that's just one piece of the puzzle. You know, Web3 growth um, will look in terms of the products that are built based that will be will be created based off of the ethos of what these Web3 growth leaders are talking about now. So like obviously a big question that many Web2 people are thinking about is, well, let's just you know go ahead and create recreate user level targeting in Web3. Um, and that is obviously technically possible to do, but is that what we want Web3 growth to be about? And so I think that many of the conversations about what tools should be built in the future will stem directly from the Safari community and the communities that get built around the Safari community in the future too. And so for those listeners out there that are interested in getting involved in Safari, what's what's the process? What do they need to do to join this mastermind? I want to join. It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, very simply, you can uh, visit us on Twitter at S-A-F-A-R-Y. Um, so that's Safari with a Y dot or DAO, D-A-O, um, or on our website, safari.club. Um, and it's a very short application process and we'll, we'll get back to you soon. But yeah, we're launching batch three in, in the next couple of weeks. Sweet. So everybody out there, get in for batch three. You, gotta, you wanna be part of this mastermind. This one's going somewhere. Uh, okay, before, Kai, do you have any questions before I go with a little bit of lightning round? No, let's do lightning round. Okay, awesome. Uh, so just to wrap up, love to uh, take a step back and just ask you guys some more fun questions. Um, so uh, let's start with uh, your favorite person to follow on Twitter. Tyus, we'll start with you. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say the one that makes me cringe and laugh the most is Elon Musk by far. Uh, <laughs> he's, just, uh, he's, he's out of his world, like literally. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so uh, I, probably everyone in your audience already follows him. Uh, for me, I would say um, the folks from Real Vision and Raul Paul, uh, because I, I feel that the only way for this whole thing to work, crypto, Bitcoin, Web3, is to really connect this into the actual macro world and what's going on, going on out there from a macro view. Uh, and I think they do that, like an amazing work of like making bridges between what's going on like deeply into crypto, but also what's happening on, at a macroeconomic level. So I just love their insights, their conversation and what's going on uh, there. So uh, th those would be my recommendations. Great, great plug. I, I help with growth for Real Vision. So great plug there, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, for me, the one that comes to mind right now is uh, Punk6529. Mm, um, yeah. Really appreciate mm. uh, their like macro level views on the space, but also talking about totally not Web3 related things about like the passing of time and appreciating and cherishing different moments. So I feel like it's a really great mix of content um, that comes out from that non-threat uh, profile. Yeah, he actually just was interviewed by Raul Pyle on Real Vision last week. It's like a two hour and I think 40 minute interview, but it is mind blowing. So 
definitely check that out if you haven't yeah it's free so just the real vision crypto i'll check it out other other than safari dow uh any other projects you're excited about could be a dow could be an nft could be a protocol anything in the web3 space uh matthias is part of this one too so let me sorry if i steal your your thunder um i'm not as directly involved with jump which is a marketing and brand agency uh, mark for marketing and brand uh, folks, but I think that they are a super complementary community to what we're building mm-hmm. with Safari is seeing much more about how to get many of these Web2 leaders who are going to stay in Web2 um, on the chain of thinking about how to develop Web3 strategies at these companies, I think will really, really shape um, the space in, in the years to come. Yeah, we yeah, actually have Jeff to... from Jump coming on the podcast next week. So that's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, I was going to mention mention Jump. Uh, they they are doing amazing stuff in their really really cool community too. Super super fun to hang out uh, in their Discord. Uh, how do I do this without shilling any of my bags? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think. For me, what what the, some of the projects that I, I am super interested on is like uh, two areas, like one more in the infrastructure side. So uh, like all of these omni-chain solutions that are coming up there, like zero, uh, layer zero or or Alexar, uh, Axelar network, sorry. Uh, I think that's going to help like just increase the size of the pie in terms of how like everyone interacts within crypto, which is going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. And then the, the, the other set of projects are more in these, like, like basically the, the, the front page of crypto. So uh, projects like Sapper are very, very interesting. I think they're doing really, really cool stuff, even from a growth standpoint. Um, Ledger, uh, I think there's like some of them in the, in that space are doing some really cool stuff, but it's just like there's so much to learn from what happens looking at these different uh, sectors within crypto and these different like specific projects. So Axelar being one and Sapper being another one, I think it's just uh, it's going to be very cool and lots of learning from a growth perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um... Let's uh let's let you guys give your show. Uh, you can show your bags all you want on this show. We encourage it. Uh, so uh, tell, tell us where to follow you. Tell us where to follow you. Ads. We'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, tell our listeners anywhere that they can connect with you. Anything that you encourage them to do. Uh, by all means, take the floor. Show away. Um, feel free to reach out. I'm at LinkedIn. I'm at Twitter. I'm a boomer. (laughs) (laughs) I started with the worst thing ever in a Web3 podcast, but Twitter uh, at Matty underscore Honorato. Uh, That's my Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. Reach out, DM me. Uh, I'm more than happy to, to, to keep collaborating on this space. I'm just super, super excited for what's coming. Same here. Um, very simply, you can find me on Twitter at jkey underscore ETH, E-T-H. Um, great to connect there and looking forward to it. You can find us at safari, S-A-F-A-R-Y dot club and apply for batch three. It'll be, I think th- batch three will be our best batch. <laughs> Amazing. And when are, when are applications due for batch three? Uh, hasn't been fully decided yet, but sometime before the end of April, for sure. Okay. 
Things in Web3 move very fast. I haven't decided it, but it's going to be within the next 11 days. <laughs> 11 days. <laughs> this, is, this is the pace of Web3. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure to learn and listen from you guys uh, and wish you nothing but the best of luck. And uh, we'll have to get you back on in uh, maybe a part two of the podcast uh, in, uh, in the future to see uh, maybe when you guys actually build the growth playbook or have those first versions out, that'd be awesome to chat about. Absolutely. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Have a good one. Cheers. You too. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. By the way, if you have yet to join the Discord community, you are missing out. This is where all the magic happens. This is where we learn, where we ask questions, where we network. Uh, you want to be in there. The link to join is in the description below. And finally, a quick disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.